All right, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Expressed Podcast. I'm here with Johnny Blackburn. Uh, Johnny is someone who has been introduced to me, and every time he his name comes up, it is with high regard, admiration, and um, every time I've asked uh, a few mutual friends about interviewing this man on the show, it was a full hell yes. <laughs> and so that's why Johnny's here today, and I happen to be in Encinitas, and so we're sitting on the couch together. Uh, Johnny is um, an author, a coach, uh, has been a speaker in the past, and um, among many other gifts. I always find it really challenging to put us in these boxes of one label. <laughs> um, so just so, just so the li- listeners can have a, a better context of, of who Johnny is in the world today in this moment. Um, how would you, how would you describe that to people? The, what it is you do. We'll, we'll go, we'll uh, go with the really like simple surface stuff first. <laughs> okay. Mm. Give me a little look. How people, <laughs> Be more aware of themselves, release the past, which then creates space for them to fill up with more aliveness and their future potentials. Mm-hmm. And so I think that at a certain point in development, like oftentimes early in development, uh, there's a lot of information consumption, books and podcasts and the rah-rah and the certain types of personal development workshops, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important beginning mm-hmm. in context. And then I find people that come to me and then they say, oh, yes, I've done a lot of work, but then my life is falling apart and like all these emotions coming up. And so the way that I hold that is at a certain point, we realize that this is the human domain is an embodiment game Mm -hmm. and that there's certain embodied healing and releasing emotional states that are frozen from the past and helping to overcome the patterns. I know you, we Mm -hmm. both work a lot with patterns. And so I think like for me, not only is that helping to restore aliveness and the essential joy, um, but it's also then again, like we find ourselves with these humans in an evolutionary process. And I think it's a real honor to be alive during these times Mm. when um, we're helping to usher in greater human potentials. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I think releasing the past and the the condition habituated unconscious behaviors actually makes more space and room Mm -hmm. for new evolutionary potentials to be embodied and, and expressed in our work and our relationships in our life. And then what I'm most interested in is stabilizing presence, mm. stabilizing awake awareness. Describe that a little bit more, stabilizing awake awareness. Um, How do we do that? Well, first, conceptualization and words are useful to point at, but there's sort of this gate mm-hmm. that you can't get through the gate with concepts. So it's retroactively and, and for the you know, purposes of shared language, we can speak to those mm-hmm. um, and use words as signifiers. Yeah. But ultimately, it would be more like pure perception that doesn't have like a local view, mm-hmm. if that yeah. makes sense. Um, when do people usually make it to see Johnny? Like what stage of their development are they in? They're can I say one other thing about this? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So... Um, most of us, myself included, spend most of our life with like a localized awareness wrapped in with our thoughts and our sense of self. Mm. And so a lot of, then sometimes people will have what they will call an awakening, which is usually just 
not just, usually part of the central channel opening. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of more of a kundalini activation or a subtle energy activation. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we want to get to where this whole central channel is open and all the chakras are open because that's one of the main kind of pathways for subtle energy into our body mm -hmm. alongside of the meridians and the breath and the emotional body. Mm -hmm. So those four things, and again, part of the healing process is to kind of clear away the past mm -hmm. so that that life force can kind of fill that up. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then that makes it a lot more likely for access to then a quality of spacious awareness that is beyond the edge of the skin. Right. Mm. So again, and most of us spend most of our time like in here and then eventually, w whether through grace or medicine journey or just a peak experience, then some people will open. Right. And feel all of a sudden it feels infinite and vast. Right. And then what tends to happen for most people is then that comes back. Mm. Right. So that would be called a glimpse. Mm -hmm. And so then wh whether they put themselves in uh yoga classes or meditation classes or spaces where somebody has already embodied that and that, that can be transmitted, then it allows that person to like get more and more access. And eventually what they're going for is until they get, they can access it volitionally. All they have to do is pause and then, then it's there. Mm. Right. So that would be from glimpsing to when it's transmitted to being able to access it at any moment with a pause to it's stable all the time. I wake up in the morning and then it's already s spaciousness is there. Mm. I'm walking and it feels like vast. Mm. So that's that's stabilizing a state. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So um so for you what uh I guess my question is is like what takes Johnny Blackburn out of that state? Is as a human as like a little little Johnny, sure. not, not sure. Johnny. Like um, you, my experience of you is is you you do embody what you're just describing right now. But what are what are like the human challenges that bring Johnny out? Sure, because I think that is helpful in in like teaching the humanity of the right. being that you are in this skin suit, right? Right. So let's say that there's physical body mm -hmm. subtle energy mm -hmm. spaciousness yeah witness mm -hmm. where the personal sense of self is relaxed and then the fifth one is unified or non-dual non yeah. okay so johnny is in the process of stabilizing one of those mm. right mm -hmm. so some of them are stable all the time no matter what happens like anger could arise and it's still there mm -hmm. right that that's an example of really being stable okay but then the one that i'm focusing on like, you know, 40, 50 times a day, I'll pause and then feel that. And so I'm practicing not only on the cushion in the morning, but, you know, do, uh, like also in the morning I do present every morning I do Qigong and Tai Chi and, and presence walking because I'm training my nerve. I'm training my system to be able to hold that state while I move, mm -hmm. because I would say movement and s as simple as movement or speaking, like pulls, pulls down one of those vantages. Mm. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff that that can do that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean l life like all of Right. Yeah. And I and I I think Matt and I talk a lot about cultivation. Mm -hmm. Like for most like occasionally there's an Eckhart Tolle or a Byron Katie where you know, bless their souls like they were they were depressed and like suicidal before yeah. but then they kind of had a 
mm-hmm. blast open and mm-hmm. stayed. Yeah. But for most of us, it's not, um, <laughs> most of it's a progressive process. Yeah. And I think it would be really useful for people to like appreciate that and understand that the sacred nature of like that opening mm-hmm. and then the, tr- like the human, like contracting and expanding and contracting, and expanding mm-hmm. until openness. Yeah. Is there something that's like uh, observable about like those two examples, Byron Katie and Eckhart Tolle, about were they just at a certain level of pain and discomfort that caused the? This, uh, well, that's a JV mistake right there. Sorry, airplane mode. There you go. <laughs> Edit that one out. Yeah, get a team. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know them personally, so I can't yeah. speak to like all that's known is what's what's portrayed in their biographies. Yeah, okay. um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a student of life, so I'm yeah. I'm interested in in universal principles, but then also in the the way that things are not absolute. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like life is an irreconcilable paradox. Mm-hmm. So for most, mm-hmm. it's it's a progressive process, mm-hmm. and at any moment, grace can strike. Yeah, you know, so it's like practice makes you more accident prone yeah and um i also think that like you know some of the more religious orientation would be you know they really focus on faith mm-hmm. um and joseph campbell who was one of the you know foremost experts on mythology and world religion um somebody once asked him you know you've spent your whole life like studying and mastering all of these religions and he said what do you believe and Joseph Campbell looked at him and smiled, and he says, "I don't deem belief; I have experience." Mm. You know, and so I think that what we're really longing for is the the experience of being alive, first and foremost. That th- that the healing of, of the patterns that we work with can really help facilitate that at a human level. Mm-hmm. And then I think we we long for the experience of real human connection and love. Mm-hmm. You know, that when the love that is all around. The, the sensor for that love is the heart aperture. And so when the heart's closed, we can't feel the joy, we can't feel the love, we can't feel the connection. And a lot of times we can have protectors or afraid of being judged or guards to vulnerability that inhibit us from experiencing that aliveness, joy, and love. And so I think we're, we long for uh, open, you know, to open the heart at a human level. Mm-hmm. And then our soul longs to know its nature. Yeah. Is there any, um, is there any like characteristics? You've worked with a lot of people over many years. Is there any observable characteristics, qualities that people that do this process well or have Mm -hmm. ease with it are, are coming into it or embodying? Is there something about the people that are having an easier time with this and there's other qualities that keep people stuck? you know i'm not sure that there's there's that everyone has the same trajectory Mm -hmm. um i think there is an equality of free will in in the process Mm -hmm. and ways in which our protectors can resist Mm -hmm. um shut things down Mm -hmm. uh distract ourselves and i you know i think that's 
the 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 paradoxical beauty of the process mm-hmm. like just as much as this evolutionary impulse that like i believe that presence has a self-liberating intelligence to it mm-hmm. and what i mean by that when somebody's system gets into presence and when i say system i'm saying the totality of their nervous system their physical body their emotions their thoughts their soul right mm-hmm. and so when somebody's system gets into deeper presence it's almost like presence wants to go in and like dig up the places that are unconscious and they can't feel it's want to love the places that they don't yet love you know to be f- to liberate itself and be free mm-hmm. and so uh w- that's an evolutionary process like that wants to evolve <laughs> towards more openness love and freedom mm-hmm. but then again we also have these par- in the paradox we have these de-evolutionary drivers the part that is resistant or goes up into the mind or goes out of the body or numbs mm-hmm. and so it's almost like this dance of dance of the whole process yeah on a, on do a you find that oh absolutely <laughs> i mean that's the work we do absolutely, right absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it really is it really is and, and sometimes like I, I question is is like that the evolutionary process is that there just to be our challenge or or is there s- yeah. yeah i think yeah, so i think so too <laughs> yeah that's what i come back to as well, well. i don't know i don't know yeah. if paradox is reconcilable yeah you know i don't mm-hmm. know if you get By i've never s- definition having worked with people like we, I don't think you get rid of the protectors. Yeah. You mm-hmm. learn to like respect them, ask mm-hmm. them what they're intel, like who yeah. do they work for? What is their intention? <laughs> I love that. Who does number two <laughs> work <laughs> for? <laughs> I love that. Right? Uh, yeah. And then, uh, and then in that process of respecting, uh-huh. like then maybe they'll relax and kind of stand down and stand off to the side. Mm-hmm. And then in that they can, with more awareness, like they can, o- they can only come up in emergencies, mm. but they don't inhibit the whole functionality. Yeah. You know, I love that because in emergencies, they're useful. They're there for a reason. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But not in the every moment of the waking day. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I work a lot with, um, with communication and presence, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like I, I work with individuals, couples and groups. And one of the common dynamics that I find with couples is, is criticism and you know that they've been in relationship for a while and it's just kind of become an un- unconscious pattern um you know whether it's a rigid rigid pattern mm-hmm. or or just like the human t- attempt to criticism um or unmet needs and they're feeling frustrated and they're not translating that into a direct request mm-hmm. or vulnerability they're going to criticism and it it seems like little microaggressions and these little daggers you know and m- maybe the f- maybe the partner doesn't say anything in the first couple times but you know four or five in a row in the next over a couple days and all of a sudden now and it's a fight mm-hmm. you know and so cleaning that up is really, really important to making it safe for the heart to be open and, and then, d- again, to experience joy yeah. <laughs> as well as connection. Yeah. And so I invite them to um, role play and do experiential stuff like mm-hmm. when criticism's coming at me, like if I'm in an environment where I'm getting attacked, like the chances are that I'm going to put that one of my protectors or guards mm-hmm. is going to come up. Mm-hmm. Right. And then yeah. I'm going to either shut down and withdraw or I'm going to att- attack Tack back. right back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just like burning up the relationship chi mm-hmm. and using it for no good. So instead, let's say you criticize me and then I say, was that criticism mm. or was that critical? Mm. And then the question invites almost like a meta awareness to mm-hmm. look into that, like, Wait a minute, was that critical? That was. Now, if I'm honest with myself, I'm like, yeah, that was, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And then you can say back, I want to hear what you have to say. Can you say that in a different way? Mm-hmm. 
and you don't have to do that but a few times and then all of a sudden it's like time slows down you know in the matrix when yeah. he's becoming the one mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like i fuck i see this thought no that's gonna no. be critical <laughs> yeah right mm-hmm. and so what you're wanting is to the partner that has more awareness to al- reflect that back through a question mm. versus if you were to say stop being critical right like they're gonna they're in pattern and you're fighting again mm-hmm. right now let's say that the person says let's say the person gets defensive mm-hmm. so you ask me like was that critical and i say okay. no blah, 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 blah. and then you could so it, it's almost like naming the top layer or asking a question about what's what's most present in the top so mm-hmm. then you could say was that are you feeling defensive and you just keep asking questions to illuminate my state until I'm willing to kind of go into vulnerability and describe what I'm really feeling underneath that. Yeah. yeah. And then you, then all of a sudden you have such intimacy, you know, and then mm. you've stopped, you've cleaned up that, like all of those microaggressions and the things that are really keeping the hearts closed. Mm-hmm. Is, um, is, is it possible for, um, I guess maybe not. Is it possible? What happens when both people are in that protected state? Which uh, I imagine that a lot of relationships get to that sure. point where they're both protected and they're totally like what what happens there. So question: What I use is question or vulnerability. Mm. Mm. I notice I'm feeling guarded. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing I'm shut mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I could be a little guarded and you could and i say uh noticing them uh are you open to connecting mm-hmm. you know mm. yeah it invites the door opens it up a little bit or i could say man. what's it like in there ah uh, you know love that question i like this one yeah i love that one <laughs> sometimes like guys sometimes guys you 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 can say they don't they'll they'll get triggered if they say feeling yeah. What are you feeling? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love that question because it just, it almost shows you where to look. Yeah. You know, you, you look mm-hmm. inside beyond the protectors or the mm-hmm. defensive. Yeah. Um, so I like that one. Yeah, I love that. Partner used to ask me, what does your heart need? Mm. What does your heart desire That's good. right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this actually brings me to a great question. Um, do you find it, how is your experience of, partnership of relating intimately romantically i mean when you do enough work as i imagine you've done in your life um feeling met in that and and growing with someone what's your experience of that beautiful question well overall drastically different because who I was, my my capacities, awarenesses, openness, embodiment in my 20s was very low. Mm-hmm. And uh, my heart goes out to some of my early partners um, because I just didn't, I didn't, didn't know what emotion was. Yeah. I was so rigid and shut down. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I started to get enough feedback from life mm-hmm. and partners, like, there was a certain point where it kind of clicked. Like I had spent so much time developing my mind and doing all these energy practices, but there was a whole um, interpersonal aspect of life that wasn't developed. And so, you know, I went on a a quest to like discover what emotion is and how to, how to name it and feel it and release it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I really became fascinated with authentic relating and, and kind of in intimacy and, and deep communication and the way that that could be a doorway to presence mm. and connection. Um, and so while it, while I think it started from pain in my own underdevelopment, mm -hmm. like eventually it, it came through fascination, inspiration, and I just started to have more and more epic experiences. And that really reinforced that process. And alongside w of that time, I also started kind of doing, receiving more body-based healing sessions. Mm. And I think that was a really, those things in conjunction, like learning the skills, but also kind of releasing um, all of the moments in time that I suppressed, yeah. you know, that really created this like, mm -hmm. these blind spots and these shields and the closure, like that didn't allow me to actually feel my partner, you know, I yeah. couldn't actually feel the impact it was just in my mind mm -hmm. so um <laughs> yeah many Iteration. years of that mm -hmm. and then also i i once had a, a amazing partner that she called it the um the lineage of lovers mm. and that is to say all of your partners over the course of your life through which you learn like how to relate with another human mm -hmm. everything from communication and listening and empathy and conflict resolution to opening our heart and deepening our capacity to love mm -hmm. um and on to like the beauties of of sexual intimacy and and the way that that how sacred that is and so as i look over the course of my life mm -hmm. like that definitely has has been the case like there's been a r profound transformation and deepening and expansion in those in those capacities mm -hmm. and then yes you're right there's there's less and less um kind of energetic matches like mm. as that continues yeah mm. When, about when in your life was that, when you said you had that, that switch flipped? I'd be 30. 30, yeah. Yeah. And so you were, give me a, a just an overview background of, of, of life. When did you start getting into this? I know you were in, you were in, you were in like business world, right? right. Management consulting. Sure. Like you're, well, I, I you know, I had a profound experience. I was a conventional kid, you know, yeah. grew up in the country, mm -hmm. in Cal California, played sports, all this stuff. Um, but I, I had a profound experience at 16. Mm -hmm. And that really turned on the thirst. Mm -hmm. And then I started on the side kind of reading about different world religions, uh, just Christianity and mm -hmm. Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam. And, and so mm -hmm. there was this spiritual seeker that got turned on at 16 and it continued all the way into college. So here I am studying and partying and living this, you know, conventional yeah. college kid. But on the side, I there was a deep, deep spiritual mm -hmm. life that was emerging. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time asking, um, like sitting on the balcony, something happened that was like, um, my bosses, like I could tell that they weren't happy. Mm -hmm. Like here they were like, um, you know, pinnacle and, you know, really incredible industry and profession. And there was just a sense like, Mm, something's off, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was sitting on the balcony watching the sunset that evening and then I, I kind of just asked the universe, there's got to be more to life than this, mm. you know? Because I, I didn't know how to reconcile those two words at worlds at the time. Mm -hmm. And s a few months later, I had an injury and then uh, basically was doing physical therapy and it wasn't get better and opted for this experimental surgery. And that really dramatically changed the course of my life. Mm. I was, after the surgery, 22 hours a day on the floor, could stand up for five minutes at a time. What? Um, I had to move home. I couldn't take care of myself. I left the house ten times in a year. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? What? Uh, what was he like? What? 
what were you trying to correct that caught like, ba- so a back injury? A back injury. Okay, I've read. Spinal I've read surgery. in chat rooms on the internet at that time. Yeah, you know, this is some years ago. That the same thing happened to multiple people, Whoa. to m- many people, and they they banned that surgery. It was experimental. Whoa. Now you can look at all the details, but. I spent three days, woe is me, why did this happen? Yeah. And then I realized... Only three. It's well, impressive. I, I mean, I realized how uh, <laughs> how not... Like, I didn't even want to be around myself, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so I just somehow contacted this sense of trust, even though I didn't know the deeper purpose of this, right? I didn't, didn't even know if I would ever get better, you know? Some of my friends, like, kind of pulled away, and they're like, it was too hard for them, and they didn't, you know, they didn't know if I was going to ever get better. Um, and I just said, well, I'm going to play as if this is happening for some reason, even though I don't know what it is and I'm going to make the best of it. Mm -hmm. So all those things that I would, that I said like, oh, I'll do that when I have more time. Well, I, I mean, I was limited, very limited physically, but I had so much time. So I started meditating. I read and read and read all day long and I watched, you know, I went through the American Film Institute's top 100 and watched classic films and I was learning Spanish and like, you know, I just... Uh, it was like, have you ever seen The Count of Monte Cristo? Yeah, you yeah. Know, when he's course, wrongfully yeah. imprisoned? Yeah, yeah. And what he's bitter gift. at first. Yeah. And then the, the, the character comes uh-huh. up and like he starts training in Latin and sword mm. fighting and mathematics and philosophy. Mm. And like I really look back on that time now as I've released all the trauma from my body. And it, I look at it with like a, as a Rocky montage because mm. it was so freaking yeah. transformative for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that really changed the course of my 20s. That took four years to recover from all in all. Wow. I went two years kind of conventional hoping the drugs and surgery would fix me and then basically you know a good almost two years like fully healing my my back and body and emotions and mm-hmm. and eyes mm. um so i had a little bit different start i had a little bit later start than some people mm-hmm. from one lens but then from another lens like no i had already started to get into you know healing and embodiment and learning and mm-hmm. wow and, and did you have anyone at that time that like no zero this just all all just like came through yeah hmm wow it's pretty lonely yeah during that time you know i can imagine mm-hmm. mm. so were you um uh technically paralyzed was that or no. is it just like immense pain well they i mean i don't i don't need to go into uh, yeah much, i guess the details don't matter i'm just more like curious about this because you're like you're completely able and functional and, and oh, well I, above. I wish I had this bot, like yeah. <laughs> the flexibility, strength and agility yeah. that I had like now is better than when I was in high school even, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause I just learned how to be more aware and I learned what foods uh, work well. And I cleared all the, <laughs> all the rigid pattern and the trauma from my body. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. life's good now. Life's good. Yeah. yeah. It took a lot. It took some work Yeah. to get there, but yeah. What were what were some of the the modalities that were supportive of you at, like after this? Oh man, incident? which phase? Ooh, great question. Um, which phase? Let's start like the immediate phase, like right after you got out of conventional, and you're like conventional's not the thing. Like what? Yeah. what? Well, like I said earlier, it, it was just like information consumption. I was like reading ah, a book yeah. a week. Yeah. And like, I was just take mm-hmm. this, there was, this was before there was even podcasts, mm-hmm. you know? So wow. yeah. there was some, I don't know if you're familiar with Integral Institute and Ken Wilber. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he used to do, he used to mm-hmm. call these, call people up on the phone and they recorded them. Whoa. And so I cool. just listened to all of those. Wow. You know? It was like OG podcast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. Love that. Wow. 
Wow. One of my fa- my, one of my most fun practices and something that has also been really transformational is tango. Mm. One of my um, most impactful kind of mentors and coaches was a guy named James Bay. Yeah. And at the time, he was one of the top protégés for David Data. Okay, yeah. And um, he was also an integral coach. Mm-hmm. I went through integral coaching mm-hmm. uh, myself as a, as, a, as a student, and he was my coach there. And um, I, would, I went to a bunch of workshops that mm-hmm. he and Michaela Boehm did. And, um, and he was like such a freaking wizard with, with masculine and feminine and tracking. Yeah. And um, he just knew, from a coaching perspective, he just knew what, what was the next right, like, evolutionary move for that person and he could like do it in a creative way to kind of get past mm-hmm. the, the protectors and stuff yeah but he gave me tango mm-hmm. and uh you know i i i with the few drinks i, I like dancing in college uh-huh. but i was with the rigid pattern i was pretty stiff yeah you know and um so i went to a class like i understood he, he outlined it and it was clear like okay that this is the developmental moves that that come from doing that practice I was like, oh, okay, that, uh, I'm bought into that. And I got so worked in the mm. class because the teacher was pointing out things and I had enough awareness to be like, oh shit, that's how a mirror of how I show up in relationship. Mm. And at the same time, I fell in love. Like I got hooked because I saw the beauty of it. It's a very intimate dance. You know, it's one of yeah. the most masculine and feminine dances. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that my capacity to give a clear lead, to be in my center, to be able to simultaneously attune to her, be aware of our surroundings and dance with rhythm and lead her um, was lacking. Mm. And my capacity to cr- generate and create polarity. Mm. Um, and so that, and, and, and really to be able to talk, like s- there's so much closeness, you know, mm-hmm. from a, an attachment perspective, like mm-hmm. so much intimacy and closeness that you, that you learn to sustain. And so, you know, I just kept practicing and taking private lessons. Mm. And um, then I went to Argentina after a year and then they're like, oh, cool. Like, they spoke Spanish, right? But the, I, I speak Spanish, but the, there was one class where they're like, oh, cool. Oh, cool. Like, they call you Shanky. Uh, you know, Yankee. Like, okay, Shanky. yeah. So, the, the, oh, cool, Yankee. You know, some, you know some moves, but you don't know the essence, mm, you know? Yeah. Like, they once pulled me out of the, like, you, you do partner dancing, and you kind of dance in a circle, and they once pulled me out of that, and they said, no, you just go walk on the side and do the rhythm. I mean, talk about humbling. Yeah. That's one of those, yeah. like, do I quit this now yeah. or, you know? <laughs> and I, I felt into that and, like, mm. I, I felt into my commitment to learn and grow and be mm. humble. And so I did that and, and I just, you know, kept practicing rhythm. And um, what I really took from them is that they didn't, like, some of the elders, like, they didn't do all, they could, could, but they didn't do all the fancy moves, mm. you know? Like it was really about the rhythm and the embrace. Mm. So they were so connected and synced up and they were just moving like silk together, you know? And I really, like I really fell in love with it there. Mm -hmm. And I think that I would say that that practice combined with maybe authentic relating communication are the two things that have over the course of my life most transformed uh, my relationship because there's so much polarity and intimacy in that. Mm -hmm. It's not at all what I expected your answer to be. It's beautiful. Beautiful. I'm I'm learning so much more about myself through through uh. through arts. Through uh-huh. I just started learning to play the guitar. Yeah, and I'm learning so much about myself in that process. Yeah. About like the the instantaneous comes up the the 
the dropping from my mind into mm-hmm. my body, the the getting it right stories, mm. the the pace where I'll pick up pick it up one day and can be in mm-hmm. the next day not the consistency of the practice of just showing up every day, showing up on the mat, showing up on the mat. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and similar to what you shared is is I could have done this a few years ago and not had the awareness to pick up any mm-hmm. of that and just mm-hmm. seeing all that is like oh. That's how I show up in my relationship. That's what I mean. Oh, that's, that's how I show up at work. Yeah. Is that awareness? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really gives any moment of our life an opportunity if we have the awareness yeah. that of what it's showing us. Like <laughs> every moment. <laughs> yeah, every moment. What inspires you about about healing and, and helping be people be more aware and free from patterns? Mm, what inspires me about it? Um I believe that being free of those, the past, the patterns, the, the programming, the, the conditioning um, is really the, the uh, not the way, a requirement for getting to our true soul's purpose, mm-hmm. getting to our heart and, um, and the serving it only came through me doing it for myself mm-hmm. and, and like, knowing what was on the other side of that and knowing that now that I can access this like, like true authentic part of myself, mm-hmm. um, I am significantly happier, more fulfilled, more full of joy, love and, um, pair that with just some level of noticing some skills and noticing mm-hmm. just that, um, this is something that I do pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, there's a capacity to share that with yeah. others and help yeah. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What about yourself? Good answer. Yeah. Thank you. Similar. Yeah. It, it almost, uh, for, for me, at, at first, I had a, a lot of resistance to being in the role of, of serving it. I had a lot of stories around, like, I'm not far enough along. I'm not developed enough, embodied mm-hmm. enough. And, and, um, yeah, I just had to get over myself <laughs> and just show up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When did you, when did you start stepping into that role yourself as a, in a serving role of others? I was a participant in a men's group, and then the guy who started it was moving up to the Bay Area, mm. and the guys, like. I had I didn't have even have this thought, mm-hmm. but the guys in the group nominated me to, to to lead, and so you know I definitely had like some st- some I was definitely stretched, mm-hmm. and I had to figure out a lot because there's there wasn't you know now men's groups are pretty popular but yeah. like there wasn't a lot and there wasn't a lot of like training and mm-hmm. this, um so I, <laughs> you know when you find yourself in situations where like you're being stretched and it's like kind of a next level like there was definitely a lot of moments of unskillfulness but i mm-hmm. i r- i have a good review process where i'll reflect back and my the inner critic doesn't get in there and beat up too mm-hmm. much like i've I built an alliance with it mm-hmm. so it allows me to kind of game film those experiences and look it w- if i would have the opportunity to do that again mm-hmm. i think that's been really useful over the course of the development to like become more skillful by noticing the unskillful moments and mm. you know replaying it in that moment how i would do it so then when the moment shows up again there's more likelihood to mm. that skillfulness can be animated 
um so you know for the first years i just did it for free and then like it kept growing and then i was like doing four, i would do four month rounds and at one point i was doing four groups at once and like wow as we kept it intermittent you know from a business standpoint you know oh do a group call but like we were really in the trenches doing yeah. deep work and you know so uh that's it's almost been like a like i think there was a part of me for a time that was like, put me in coach, I'm ready to play yeah. with the universe because, mm -hmm. you know, I'd been doing so much healing mm -hmm. for and development and, you know, I've been doing many years daily practices. Um, but I learned to like trust the, the timing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there was sort of like, like waiting to be invited, the universe would invite mm -hmm. me. Like in that example with the men's group, like they invited Literally, to do that yeah. you know it wasn't like also with the the two books that i've written mm -hmm. i never said like oh i'm gonna write a book and do this you yeah know? It w i like i waited for the inspiration mm -hmm. the first one came like after meditation i just had all this insights and i just wrote it down like wrote a page in my computer saved it a few days later the same thing happens just keeps happening and happening and then after a few months like then i had the thought like okay organize this into a book i had no idea what the title would be i had no mm -hmm. idea that so it was really an inspired process that that book's um embodying presence mm -hmm. and so like i try to you know as much as there's a time and a place and it's useful to be strategic and kind of like have a vision for the future there's also like in a way that where the soul gives kind of emergent clarity mm-hmm um, to next yeah. missions and I try to listen to that mm -hmm. and um, does that make sense yeah absolutely we were talking about that a little bit before we pressed record and like what your next emergent version is what's being called out of you right now it's called mystics mystics yeah and it's kind of the intersection of personal development healing and spirituality some of the state work that we talked yeah. about yeah absolutely so tell us about it. Well, I've being a student of life and and observing patterns and noticing what works and what doesn't and and building upon like honoring the ancient wisdom that has come before, but also, you know, trying to integrate it into the twenty first century lives and and you know I think they didn't have as much trauma. I don't think they had mm. as much attachment wounds. You know. So You're I talking think about like ancient wisdom, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, indigenous cultures—they ate fresher food, yeah. less distractions. <laughs> yeah. So I think one, it's real beneficial to have access to all the wisdom traditions, and like we're super. You know, mm -hmm. you can go on your phone, any an app on the phone, and do a meditation from around the world, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, then you know, being the paradox that life is, it also gives us these added challenges that you mentioned. And so, I think whereas in other cultures or in in times past, like the student could show when they when they felt the call and when they were ready to start training then they could show up at the dojo or the ashram mm -hmm. or the monastery you know and then they just start training mm -hmm. right yeah whereas i think nowadays there's there's some trauma um and things that are numbed and stored in the body that are part of that process now yeah but uh like different than some of those other ones and so i find some of those wisdom traditions maybe don't have as much awareness of psychology the patterns yeah. or of of kind of like trauma mm. you know like i think one of the most known meditation traditions like they're really good at their access because they're scanning the body because mm -hmm. i think like we talked about be yeah. before like being able to really feel the body and feel with aliveness is an important part of being able to expand mm -hmm. but 
they say it's sort of like when there's an emotion, you just kind of like scan, stay there a little bit, and then keep going, mm -hmm. you know? And so sometimes that works, but sometimes you, you need to presence the emotion and like feel it fully before yeah. it releases. Yeah. And so that's, an you know, I have a friend who, who was at one of those 10-day retreats, and um, I was asking him about his experience, and he's like, yeah, man, it was tough, Johnny, you know? Mm. I was like, oh, well, tell me more. Yeah, I got in contact with how numb I've been most of my life. You know, I was like, ah, oh, bro. Like, yeah. I got that about him. And, you know, I could imagine that was that was a painful realization. So I was like, and, and what was it like? He's like, all 10 days, you know? And so there's an example of, like, a really powerful technology. Mm -hmm. But without, again, this like the lens of healing and the tools that come there. So at our retreats, we have facilitators that come around and actually help people to feel and release that mm -hmm. so that in a few minutes they can like really fully feel and digest and release that. And they don't go 10 days with stuck yeah. with that one state. So that's an example of where we're trying to bring innovations into that, mm. into that process. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. I've actually never reflected on that point that a lot of ancient wisdom isn't in tune with the way that we live today. Sure. And yeah, that um, that bridge only like gets built on an individual basis right now. Like I find that I build that bridge for myself. And can you say say more? Yeah. So um, in in bringing in um, and like ancient wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, I only have the capacity to do that because I've bridged my own healing process sure. for myself. Right. And yeah. Otherwise bypassing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I guess fortunately or whatever, I, I, I came through the healing first mm -hmm. before I really had a deep spiritual practice. And so um, it that's actually what gave me access to mm -hmm. it is once, the, the, once it started opening up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can very much see how, especially in um, in a lot of communities where it's like spirituality is like in, encouraged. It's like the cool thing to do. And it's right. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter what clothes you wear. It doesn't yeah. matter what diet you eat or what special language you have. Like, again, life is a, the human domain is an embodiment game. Mm. So like ultimately how relaxed open and alive is the system mm. yeah yeah and i'm i think we're lucky that we fortunate that we have so many wonderful people mm -hmm. that we're able to work with that that kind of get um the importance of being more embodied and in, in mm -hmm. you know emotional presence and healing as yeah. part of like an inseparable part of the spiritual development process yeah um, do you find that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, is that what is referred to as like the, the cleaning up, cleaning mm -hmm. up part? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Waking up, growing up, up cleaning up. Is there a fourth one? Showing up. Showing up. Showing Purpose. Up. That's right, yeah. The contribution. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. That's simple. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is simple. Um, so, uh, so mystics is mm -hmm. coming out right now. Third year now. Third year. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Beautiful. It's basically what you just said. <laughs> Amazing. Waking up, growing up, cleaning up. Okay. You just use a little different language. Yeah. Um, it, do you find that um, for the average human, I'm using quote air quotes here, <laughs> uh, is, is one of those four 
generally more challenging for the modern human. Do you know spiral dynamics? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the stage. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Um, Usually at Orange, there's not a lot. Oh, I got to be careful because a lot of the audience. I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a useful model, though. Useful really model useful model. Yeah, yeah, you might you invitation to check out Spiral Dynamics. Yeah. Um, the most common, probably the most well known, is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Abraham mm -hmm. Maslow. And basically, there's like a hundred different psychologists, sociologists, philosophers, spiritual teachers that over the history have part as part of some of their life work like mapped out these different stages that, that that humans develop through so this isn't just like you know a cool little gimmicky <laughs> yeah. social media quiz yeah, yeah. It's these a are like <laughs> yeah, it's a new meme yeah, yeah. this new meme so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is these are like these are these are stages of human development yeah right and mm -hmm. although these different hundred people called them by different names mm -hmm. they they you know they map map up and so um, so that's really useful lens. But what I was going to say is, and I think in, I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective as mm -hmm. well, but I think having a little more, having more body awareness and more, a little more subtle energetic awareness mm -hmm. really allows more transformation. Yeah. Like I find, and you know, again, most of my life, I was like this mm -hmm. just in my mind, very little feeling of the body, but there's not so much change that happens, transformation, because the, the the direct experience of transformation, it's an it's an experience that's filled by energy and aliveness. So if I have that turned down and I'm just in my mind conceptualizing and objectifying mm -hmm. life, then it's really hard. Like if I'm not able to sense and feel my body and release the past, yeah. then I'm pr like my development's pretty slow. Yeah. So once they start to open to that, which again, that can happen through grace, a crisis, inspiration mm -hmm. but once they start to get a little bit of that like i find it's much easier to work with and then their development can really accelerate yeah yeah what are um what are the practices that you teach to get people in their body <coughs> i make these little embodiment booklets love it <laughs> so it's like a flip book okay you know i do it up all, all graphically nice but then on each side there's kind of a body Mm -hmm. like a shape of a body. And then I'll ask them like, uh, on a scale of zero to 10, what's your mental quietness? Mm. What's your body relaxation and name your most predominant emotional state. Mm. So they'll get that. And then they'll, they have two colored pens and they'll color in, uh, any, they're going to scan, close their eyes, scan their body and color in, in red where they feel tension, mm. tightness, stagnation. Mm. Right. And then once they do that, then they're going to color in in blue where they f where they can sense aliveness. Mm. Right? Love that. So simple. So simple. And they get the, the, the inner <laughs> child gets the color. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your coloring book. So then what's cool is yeah. over the course of a retreat or over the course of a, a program, they actually can look back and look mm -hmm. how much they, their embodiment has transformed. Mm -hmm. Many people at the beginning, tension in the traps, maybe mm -hmm. tension in the solar plexus, and blue like a head cap. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. That's how most of us. And so I came about this. It was an inspired thing. But I just, like, I'm really curious about people's experience. Like, I want to know what it's like to be them. And as my own empathy has developed, I don't know how, yeah. considering it was zero for most of my life. <laughs> but Guilty. somehow this nervous, you too, <laughs> yeah. yeah? Oh, yeah. Somehow this nervous system can, like, feel exactly what, it's all like a blank screen. Uh -huh. So it can sense exactly what the other person's doing. Now, I respect mm -hmm. their autonomy, so I'll right. ask them. But I started to notice, like, wow, there's not much 
awareness or a life sense of the body, and then I would ask them, and then, and then I once just got out a paper and scribbled a body, and I'm like, color in where you feel, and they're just like, just a head. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. all of this time we were assuming, we're assuming, right? Yep. And so by skipping that step, right? By mm-hmm. giving those people this like visual depiction of the inner state. And then what happens when we do a body, two minute body pat down and shake. And then mm-hmm. they call, oh my God, I feel my body <sighs> more everywhere. Yeah. Well, cool. What if I did that several times throughout the day? And then I retrained my brain to turn on my proprioceptive sensing so it kept it trained my body to be online and then i trained my baseline that helped to quiet my baseline mind Mm. because the the latest research on mindfulness is that it starts in the body Mm. right so that's like our first kind of doorway is sensing the body so i discover i do a lot of creative shit i've definitely (laughs) definitely done a lot of stuff that doesn't work yeah but that freedom to try stuff Uh and like listen to the emergent clarity and modify yeah i there it's almost like especially when I'm in a group field, I feel like the group field is teaching me mm-hmm. like inspiring me. And, yep. and so there's a humility yeah. to not overlay what the, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. You find that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the hum- humility is like, I don't even realize like it's, it's happening, but I'm like trying new shit all the time. I'm just like, Oh, this is coming through. And I'm like, sure. ah, that didn't quite land or like, yeah. And just like, and that's okay. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it feels like a, a tango dance of totally energetics. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I th- for me, that's the crest of the wave of the evolutionary process, though. Mm. You know, yeah, it's like consciousness is evolving mm-hmm. through those moments where um, where innovation is available. Yeah. Uh, when do you th- uh, do you have any like idea of like when did that start turning off? Because I imagine, like, like our um, our body sense. When did we start becoming like cognitive first beings? Uh, apparently, seventy five percent of Americans lived on farms in the nineteen hundred. Mm. You know, so there was a lot more uh, integration with nature and a lot more kind of physical mm-hmm. stuff. So. I don't know how much of it is the variable of like sedentary on mm-hmm. the devices. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of it's that or how much of it is like stages of development. Mm. And there's, there is more body, but almost like animal body at the young early stages. Yeah. And then they start to become more mental and more rational. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ken Wilber uses the lens of pre-rational, rational and trans-rational. Right. So I think when it's, they're pre-rational, it's kind of impulsive. So mm-hmm. it's very body, but it's very animal. Like yeah. I can't control yeah. my dry mm-hmm. desires. I'm very aggressive and, and, and impulsive, reactive. And then I get rational and I start to control that and I start to shut down the body and I start to you know deny the impulses. And then as you get into green and then integral and above, then you start to really reintegrate the mind. But as a trends process, like then I start to come from more heart, like heart is the seat of awareness some people th- believe the heart is the seat of the soul or the center of the body but and then you know in in some of the mar- eastern martial arts they really focus on the dantian or the hara yeah. and like as the center so you have different traditions that do different but i think there's a um, a returning you know from from fully instinct as a baby mm-hmm. to um uh, like going through that whole impulsive reactive phase and then into rational and then like the reclamation of direct perception through embodied experience. Yeah. Mm. 
And do you think that there, that is, does everyone go through that process? Yeah, but some, some pause. Yeah. Not everybody keeps coming. Yeah. Hmm. Which is really the big question in our right. our industry. Like, what is that factor? Yeah. Why does one sibling in a family have yeah. such a thirst? Yeah. And then the other people, no, I don't, I don't want to think about this. Mm. Do you think that there's any, I don't know, any, are there human factors to that? Or do you think that's more just like soul? And I mean, we're getting into divine. domain outside of science. Yeah. So we're getting into metaphysics. But if you're asking me, to speculate. Speculate. I think it's so. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that Win Wim Hof has a twin brother? I didn't even know this. Yeah, and he can't do Yeah. All of the all of the cities that basically Wim has. Yeah. But Wim's training him. Mm. And and it's my opinion that what a like what a cosmic joke <laughs> that the universe <laughs> for all the skeptics yeah. that would have said, Oh no, this is just genetic. Uh-huh. They said, Let's give him a twin. And we'll prove that it's not genetic. But yeah. then he'll be able to train him and we'll show that you can do it. You know, uh-huh. how inspiring is this study where Wim had an E. coli. Like, I love how the research he's doing, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we our world really needs the really research needs to that. demonstrate some of the stuff. To, like, that just works. crack the window open totally. just a little bit. Yeah. So he injected E. coli. Yeah. And then he was, you know, he got into a state and he was doing his breath. And, like, his immune system yep. neutralized it. <laughs> and they say, wow, that's amazing. Oh, but that's just Wim. That's just him. Yep. So mm-hmm. then he makes another, another study. <laughs> I think he did 12 of his train like, top yeah, students. Top students yeah. Did you hear that? Uh, no, but, like, there's people that, like, I, I know one of them, one of his top students that's done a lot of the yeah. things, his feats, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, it, again, they inject with E. coli, and then they, they get into state, and their immune system neutralizes mm-hmm. it. You know, I mean... Compa- that's <laughs> ironic considering all the fear yep. that was last year. Yep. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he's sitting at home thinking. Like, what is he going through the process of the last year? He's, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's he's put out some video. He's, he's been inspiring and empowering yeah. for people, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, he's, he's a good, he's a good, he's a good one. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. a good one. Do you, uh, do you, do you notice more essential joy? Like, do you notice Me? as you, yeah, as you kind of heal and release yeah. that there's th- just the, the, the baseline yeah. of the heart is just open and, yeah. and it's just, just the essence of life, life is, is joyful. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Even, even in the times where, where the old or the mind wants to creep in and form a story and just like, just, just lean back a little bit and breathe. <laughs> like, it's hilarious and, great and yeah yeah it really is there's just like a a film of just beauty on everything Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. well Mm -hmm. said there's a like this fabric of Mm -hmm. fabric yeah yeah. and if if like i i I always use the analogy of lean back if i just like lean back and breathe like Mm. i can touch that fabric Mm. yeah at any point even in like the the shittiest day that i'm having it's just like oh and and when you say lean back, you mean like that there's a part that gets too yep. attached yep. and like involved, caught yeah. up and attached right. and entwined in it. And I like can see that. Yeah. And, it's just and you just kind of like, okay. That's a good move. Yeah. That's a good move. What are you, what's one thing that your students would really have benefited knowing a year before 
they started their program? That's a phenomenal question. Um, like, in other words, what's, yeah. what's one of the big takeaways yeah. that if they had known that a year earlier it would really transform their life? Yeah, what's coming to me is, I mean, it's something we say, but I don't think people really experience it until like a few years down, maybe a year or two down, is that there's no outcome. There's We're not getting to anything and I think when people like first start doing the work is there's some level of expectation that life isn't going to have this uh, uncontrollable experience. Like I'm not going to feel sad in this day or I'm, I'm not going to like have conflict or whatever. There's like some level of expectation that there's like a, a higher way of living that like transcends negative emotions or anything like that. And and like what we were just saying, there there is like a there's there's more joy in life, but then there's also the humanness of yeah yeah it's like and we're never f- I don't believe we're ever fully like healed healed and just like come back and you change your relationship to it and I think the people that don't embrace and accept that part um, are they just the process gets delayed a little bit and it takes a little bit longer yeah. and there's still like an attachment to us having dinner with it i agree and Mm -hmm. i think there's a paradox in there Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is i don't know that it's never ending Mm. like there's there might be stages or like like when i'm really suffering and my life is really chaotic and really a mess Mm -hmm. like i can definitely get to where i'm more stable and embodied Mm -hmm. right I can definitely get more securely attached. Yeah. I can get to where my ba- my heart baseline heart is more open. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's a lot of markers, mm-hmm. and and there like we talk about the waking up process. Yeah, you know, you can stabilize unified yeah. awareness. And that said, even in th- there's a myth that is like once I, and I think this is one of the myths that older school spirituality has is like no you just stabilize non-duality and then <laughs> it all goes away yeah and that's mm-hmm. just bypassing because right. everything it's a transcendent include game yeah so uh, even though there, there's a yeah. higher vantage all of the, it's like the russian nesting dolls yep. mm-hmm. emotions can still arise yeah um now it, there's a much higher view and it's much easier to mm-hmm. be able to digest Less, with a greater view yeah. but that doesn't mean that like the avoid the belief that that negative emotions will all go away. It's like we're done. Like when and am you're I done? done? Yeah. No, this is not. This doesn't happen. Yeah. But it gets better. I would say Absolutely. it can get better and better. Yeah. Um. And there's an actually that you're that can stun people mm. because then they they start judge they'll judge, judge a negative yeah. emotion right yeah. mm-hmm. and that just keeps it in. Yeah. It's like a. It's like the Chinese finger trap, you know? Yeah. Like when you try to get rid of it, get your fingers out and get rid of it, they yeah. get stuck. Yeah. And when you kind of accept it and go towards it, mm-hmm. then it kind of relaxes open. So, the, yeah, that's a good one. The The analogy that I use, and this one's really present because I just had dinner with a friend who's a few years into his process, and um, he's really stuck in this mm-hmm. and, and being in a certain place. And the analogy that just came to me is, is the difference between um the healing that's required from something like what you experienced 
a botched surgery or a car accident mm-hmm. or like and I'm talking about the physical body. A lot of people can understand sure. the physical damage that happens when you like get hit by a car. Mm-hmm. And there is just a period where there's the putting the pieces back together. You've got to have all these experts and they put your bones back <laughs> together. Then you have the, the PT sure. and you learn how to walk again and all this process. Totally. And if you do that, there you return. There's a new state of live, living and being to where it's not that um, stress isn't going to happen in your life, but it's not like you have to heal from the car accident anymore. Mm-hmm. It'd be like the example of like we go into the gym and we have these little micro tears, these little micro mm-hmm. stresses, and they're not going to take us out, um, but there's still a repair pass process and healing that mm-hmm. happens. And so like initially, it's like we all have this like backlog backlog of trauma backlog of of conditioning that we're all dealing with and it's like that process that if you if you like skip the parts of like the stabilizing if you Mm -hmm. skip the pt Mm -hmm. and you just want to get back to walking (laughs) it's like well did you do the did you do the thing that teaches you how to walk? You again? can try it. How yeah. And then yeah. Ch- check <laughs> yeah. in six months. How's yeah. that working for you? Yeah. That's the ultimate test, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I like to quantify, like I love maps. Mm-hmm. So I like to map out processes and I like to quantify um, asking through a subjective index. Like I'll ask the person then and I'll be tracking it. Mm. And so I'll like, pr- like show my hand <laughs> and oftentimes we're pretty close. Mm. You know, so I'll say, when you think about that event, how much charge is left on that? Mm. You know, and then six, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that, then we can use desensitization methods to specifically clear that that yeah. trauma. So in, in psychology, there's something that's called shock trauma or specific event trauma. Mm-hmm. And that would be, could be anything like being hit by a car, you know, a, 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 a shaming critical comment that somebody once said to you and is embarrassing, you know, in first, you know, in second grade, trying to read out loud in class and mispronouncing a word and everybody laugh at you and you feel shame. So those are all specific event things. And it is possible and really useful to clear and desensitize. I think of every human desensitized the charge from whatever eight to Mm -hmm. whatever is to a zero on three to five of the, of their most traumatic moments. I think it will be a different world. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us develop compensations out of those moments where we felt shame and or and or were bullied and then we or abused and we passed that on. So I think that would really transform our world if we did that. Yeah. But that's only half of it. Mm-hmm. The other half of it is misdevelopmental needs. And that's mm-hmm. what the patterns when we're working yeah. with the personality patterns, that's really what those are about. They're specific phases where there are specific needs that as a developing being we have. Mm-hmm. Like it's important that we feel safe and welcomed into the world. Mm-hmm. When, you know, from the moment of conception that we're received with warmly and with love at the moment of birth. And if not, we develop the leaving pattern, yeah. you know, and there's a specific, we're really helpless grow at, as we come in and in the nursing phase, you know, we can't even talk. And yet we are trying to you all we have is emotion, energy, sound and body language to express our needs and get our needs met for connection and touch and warmth and love and and food. And mm. um, so though as our parents learn to attune and be and read the sound that we're making and say oh are you cold let me get you a blanket even though the baby didn't speak but that particular tone of of emotion and sound that the mother learns to read this and then be able to meet that need and so from that process 
all, I mean, I didn't, I definitely had missed money, missed needs. All of us do. Yeah. And so there's part of the, the healing process is sort of this grand treasure hunt where we're yeah. going back and, you know, it's almost like a building with uh, electricity and functionality on the different floors. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of going back and finding like, okay, first floor Start is solid, here, yeah. but oh, there's not, <laughs> <laughs> things aren't working on the second floor. And uh-huh. so we go back and in, in, in doing the work with the patterns yeah. that, that you guys do for the training of the soul and mystics. Yeah. Um, then we're helping people to re-imprint mm. and kind of fill up and yeah. kind of get that need met. And then that part can grow up to mm-hmm. the maturity of the whatever their adult self is. Yeah. Um, so both of those are, are trauma pieces. And I yeah. don't think that everybody gets that. And mm. if they don't work with the misdevelopmental needs one, yeah. you know, it's just these looping incompletions where they could have a certain level of, I have clients with a you know, high level of success in their life, mm-hmm. but these patterns come up in their relationship and it's the universe inviting them to go like grow, yeah. but then it's easier for them to just blame you know, so with the context of that, that the way that trauma is, it can be really useful to people's healing process, mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, definitely. You want to say anything more to that? Um, no, I mean, that was a very, like, very well, like, explained and articulated the, the difference between those two. And um, the way you, I like, really highlighting the fact that we all have these things we all have both the the what's the the incident based one the acute one what do you specific call it? event specific trauma, event trauma, shock yeah. trauma yeah. yeah and it, it doesn't have to be something that is objectively traumatic of an experience you don't have to have been yeah. in vietnam exactly right yeah but when everybody laughs at you in third grade yeah and that emotion so it's basically i define it as any moment where the emotional intensity was greater then you were able to digest and be with, and so you stored it for later. Yeah, mm-hmm. stored it for later, but then never, <laughs> and you never ate those leftovers Un- until yeah. now. Like, why is yeah. all this stuff yeah. coming up? I'm doing good. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, remember that loan you took out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's getting called in. <laughs> You're getting the collections calls. <laughs> you got a couple voicemails on there. <laughs> Knocking on the door, yeah. But I, 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 I mean, there is an element of the healing journey as as mysterious and and synchronistic, and the universe guides you to read this book mm-hmm. and to go to this workshop. And there, like, I, that has been immensely beneficial for me, and I really honor that. Yeah. And it's not this nebulous, never-ending yep. thing. Like mm-hmm. that's where I also appreciate creating the maps and like, like if you have you ever heard of Mamago? No. Mm-hmm. So Imago is, um, in Latin, it means image. And in couples therapy, it's the premise that we... Now, in pop psychology, everybody knows, ah, you you married your mother, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But (laughs) it's actually a a psychological phenomenon whereby um, the psyche has a a repository of the the childhood frustrations and unmet needs. Okay, yeah. So you basically have people, like, write out the positive qualities of mom and Uh dad and then the negative qualities of mom Uh and dad. And then it, those negative qualities, you translate those to the uh, the frustrations and unmet needs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so then what what's happening is those are like looping and completions in our psyche. And so, yeah, that guy or girl is really hot and mm-hmm. like we have a lot in common. And <laughs> if they're a really good imago match, then they're carrying some number of those patterns. So, 
click exactly yeah. mm-hmm. because from that side how clever that the universe because yeah. this yeah. person wants this them person. to be more present yeah. right <laughs> and this person right so that's the the, the beckoning of the universe through mm-hmm. this person's desire because mm-hmm. this just as an example this woman had a father that was unpresent and emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. and then attracts this guy mm-hmm. That on paper, all those checks yep. the boxes, but yep. then similar imprint, unpresent. Now, you would think that the psyche would just be aware of that and then go find somebody's present. Yep. But that's not what the mm-hmm. thing wants. It actually wants to find a similar pattern and get the experience of the un- emotionally unavailable and unpresent become present and emotionally available. Oh, so they're hoping desp- that the loop right. gets closed. Yeah. And then it's this beautiful reciprocal thing where mm-hmm. they're, that's like the universe wants that person to grow in that way. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, th- some people get overwhelmed by that and you don't yeah. have to do the whole thing, but it's right. really empowering to map this thing out mm-hmm. and go back and look and then like, even trace like, okay, this partner was carrying these three. Yeah. And then I actually got those resolved. And and I again I put a number on that. Mm. When you think about that frustration right now in your body, how much is charged? Mm. And so when they when the person's resolved, they're gonna be like, you know, I, I honor that there are, are unpresent and emotionally unavailable people. That's okay. Mm. I don't I'm not worried that I'm gonna attract that. I'm really clear on what that looks like and mm-hmm. I'm so there's a zero charge. And then that one's kind of resolved, you yeah. know? And so it's really empowering to kind of be able to map that out. So mm. I, I created this whole chart for mm. my, my own years ago in my own healing. Mm. And I just I would just do every week I would do a session and I would go and take this moment mm. and there's a special technique where you kind of go back in the moment and I have the adult self meet the younger self. You ask it what it was feeling. You freeze the other people there. So in, the, in that case, you freeze the parents mm-hmm. and then you, you have them f- be able to feel and digest and release that mm. what was kind of stuck in time. Yeah. And then you unfreeze the parents and you help them like, let's say they're shut down or they're angry mm-hmm. and you help them feel and release. So you're almost working at the in the mm-hmm. fields, and then what's really powerful. So you made contact because a lot of times in in moments we felt alone. Mm-hmm. So adult self meets and begins to integrate younger self. Mm-hmm. You helped it feel and release the looping motions. Then you get to have an opportunity to have the conversation that would have wanted to be had. Mm-hmm. And what's really significant is have the hearts open and have the nervous system register. Oh, mom is mom's heart's open. I feel the love there. Mm-hmm. Ah, and the brain can't tell the difference between what's mm-hmm. happening in real time versus, right? Yeah, yeah the imagination. And fast. so that, so I basically went through the whole process, you know, it took mm-hmm. a while, yeah. but like, yeah. again, I went through that and I got to where all the things were down to a zero. Mm. And I w- just last April, I went and rechecked I with the therapist that I worked with. And we just went through my whole list. And we just, I was just really present and mm-hmm. sensing my body. And she would say the thing. Yeah. And there was, and I was just like, yeah, I feel clear of that. And then there was one that I found was a three. And then we just kind of cleaned that up. But, yeah. you know, that's an example of like being able to kind of like more systematically work with map out the healing process so that it doesn't just feel never ending. You can make progress. And then Mm -hmm. when I'm working with people, I'll, I'll, okay, can we test? Okay. Then I'll ask about Mm -hmm. that event with Dylan. Oh, remember when this happened? And then Mm -hmm. they're like, that's amazing. Like for 20 years, like every time I thought of that, I I would think about that every week and it would like annoy me. Yeah. And now it's clear. And then you ask them a month later, if you really cleared it, mm-hmm. you ask them a month later and it's gone. Yeah. There's just no charge so so that's so empowering. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, um, do you usually go after the most charged ones? 
Um, it depends on the person. Okay. Like, and their experience with it. Yeah. So usually I don't because there's a process of their protectors and mm-hmm. their kind of psyche. Um, checking out what this is about and seeing if it's safe. Yeah. So I'll usually start off with like a five okay. or six and just show them the, like mm-hmm. show it how it works, clear it, get it down to zero. Then the next week I'll ask them, okay, think mm-hmm. about that now. They're like, yeah, that's still a zero. So mm-hmm. now you've got a little bit more rapport and trust. Mm-hmm. And now it's safer for for them to bring up, uh, for their subconscious the to start stuff, to bring yeah. up some of the deeper stuff. And, and as a result of that, oftentimes you know, halfway into like, you know, some sessions into it, like they'll share something that they either weren't even aware of or were like, it was too deep to kind of bring up at first, but that just demonstrates like there's more safety. And one thing that I, you know, there's a benefit to everything and a time and place for everything. But I think, um, I really appreciate Basil van der Kolk's work, your body keeps score and the way that he scientifically explains why talk therapy is limited in terms of transforming body stored emotions and trauma. And, I think some people have had the experience of like talking and it's intense and then they shut down or dissociate. Mm -hmm. So even though they have new, they have some awarenesses about some of their stuff, like they've actually in a way entrenched them more. And so sometimes those type of people, it actually takes them a little bit to kind of get out of the habits of talking and numbing. Um, Sometimes people that like haven't done much work uh, and they're just new, like, like, hey, can we try something? Okay, yeah. this, wow, that felt amazing. Like, wow, that was, you know, it wasn't like a rock, it wasn't like an epic concert, but like that yeah. wasn't that bad and it was pretty quick. Yeah. And like now I feel really relaxed and peaceful and open. Yeah. Like, I, I'm down. Let's <laughs> yeah. do this. Keep Let's doing do this. this. Yeah. And I think that's kind of cool that there's almost uh-huh. a reward mm-hmm. so that people leave the session and they're mm-hmm. like more aligned, more clear, more open, more themselves, more peaceful, more relaxed yeah. after clearing trauma and doing deeper work. Mm-hmm. And they, they feel more like, like integrate it's like when you have a really good functional workout and you just feel stacked right. like your body's mm-hmm. at the physical level integrated like i find the kind of healing that we do yeah. that embodied kind of som- highly somatically aware mm-hmm. and attuned to emotion like i find that really helps people to like f- feel themselves and be more aware and open yeah absolutely do you find that hundred hundred percent and what you just uh, were sharing about the the person that's done more work or kind of <laughs> I was on a discovery call the other day and, and this young guy like dropped right in like uh-huh. no experience no like I was just guiding him through and same ex- he's like I feel so much peace and space and like he was like creating new I was he's like, like a natural I was like what? <laughs> I was like <laughs> that did not go as easy for yeah. me my first time yeah, yeah so resistant yeah. so yeah and in that vein, like I'm, I'm very interested in this, um, the concept of way showers and groove wearers. Mm. And that is people that like have gone up ahead, you know, like the Lois and Clarks yeah, of, yeah. of history, yeah, right? Like yeah. they hacked Ventures, out and mapped yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think it's really an honor to be alive right now. I think yeah. particularly our generation, ha- some of us have the opportunity and uh, responsibility to as stewards to help usher in the next Mm -hmm. epoch Mm -hmm. and preserve and maintain and integrate some of the wisdom traditions and how to be a real authentic human because i think the tendency is to just like be so much in the phone and like abstracting the world and so i think it's really important that that some of particularly our age 
group that are helping to bridge those things. We're like enough tech savvy mm-hmm. and enough kind of digitally yeah. aware to be able to play in that world. But also we remember like, no, hey, this thing's about like real I connection and, yeah. you know. Um, so mm. with that said, I think the people, you know, the many mystics who have come before, like many of whom were persecuted, like I think they were wearing the grooves mm. And, you know, all those that had to retreat from the world to cultivate, like, they were doing that in a, so that now, today, like, it's safer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, spirituality is more, yeah. like, it's, it's it, it, their call is to integrate into our lives. We don't have to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I like, I think that was because that they wore those grooves mm. so that now there's enough critical mass that, like, now it's available. Mm-hmm. And I think that same thing we can say with, with the healing yeah. that you know man we had done a lot of shit that didn't work and like <laughs> and <laughs> tried some crazy <laughs> stuff but uh but again the, like the more that i listened and the more that i yeah. allowed that like intelligence to kind of live through me and guide me the more that it guided me to the most effective things mm-hmm. and so i think then the how resistant and closed and like in our heads that we were yeah. like i think that we're paving that way so that when the younger generation comes through like they don't have to work through all that. Right. They can go straight up to the, the where we were. Yeah. And then you look at that like on a collective level, and that's, I think, the process of evolution. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So you're l- literally like writing the map for them. You're you're shortening the learning curve. Sure. You're like, hey, try it. I went down that path, tried sure. the thing. Like, don't sure. don't worry about that one. Sure. Can if you want to, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I joke with, with one of my, my mentors about that. He's like, yeah, I tried that, didn't quite... I was like... I better double check <laughs> just the, the stubbornness. And then I finally am like, I don't need to double check. <laughs> Take your word for it. Totally. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So who, um, speaking of mentors, who, who are you currently learning from, whether they be in alive or not? Like who, who's your current, uh, Tibetan meditation tradition that I, um, that I've been following for about a decade. And, um, so the the teacher of that's out of Harvard. He's a psychotherapist, but he also is kind of a Tibetan lineage holder. Mm. So I would say that I've done training with Luminous. Yeah, uh, I've done training with Thomas Hubel. Mm-hmm. I really respect. Yeah, respect all. The, and then Integral. Like I've been yeah. long time, mm-hmm. the past decade or so into Integral. So I would say those are kind of the main main sure. um, inspirations and trainings that I've partu- yeah. been a participant in. Potent combination too. <laughs> I'm really grateful to have access to yeah to all that you know yeah absolutely really uh, grateful to have access to you in this moment right now <laughs> thank you it's been rich man yeah thanks. yeah yeah thank you for for sharing um, as uh, one thing that I I really it's just a testament to the length of time and the hours and the reps that you've put in but the way that you you, you piece together and explain and extract things out and, and pull out the ideas is really eloquent yet simple. Thanks man. Um, and I was just like in here, I found myself like really just like enthralled with the way you were explaining and like really tracking it. And it helped me cause I, I, I think I, I get in my groove of the way I say things uh-huh. and it really helped me kind of like really genuinely sit back and listen and be like, wow, that like really makes sense. And um, what do you mean the way the way you say things? So um, the way I'll like I- explain a process or like this is um, 
the the way this emotional healing works or just like describe it just using um just the same words over and over and and maybe refining it or but it just the way you shared it was was very well articulated thank you yeah it was unrehearsed over here But He's I got feel a like script. I feel like there's a yeah. I was, there's actually a teleprompter <laughs> a tele- right there. Yeah. Like every word was his, his team's got an earpiece. <laughs> but don't you feel like that? There's it's almost like a channel, yeah. and when it's mm-hmm. open, it like yep. it's just this organic, fluid uh-huh. kind of exchange. And then w- when we're off that channel or out of presence, is yeah. when like the mind's like, oh, what do I say? Mm-hmm. Right, and so I, I think over the years, like man, I was just like I used to, used to be so closed yeah, up and afraid of being judged and making a mistake, and so yeah. locked up. And so I think the more that the service systems relax, the more the central channel open, the more that this like the voice kind of opens. That it's just like this relaxed, like yeah. you know, I don't know what we we're going to talk about, and mm-hmm. um, that to me, that's the embodiment of presence in mm. in communication. Amazing. Yeah, it's almost like <laughs> I didn't realize I was doing this, but it's like almost a um, what this podcast is all about. I mean, I gave you no context sure. to what we were talking about, and um, I honestly don't usually come in with much um, intention, but not direction. Uh-huh. And and so um, it just like let it organically happen from like whatever's <sighs> out here. Well done. Yeah, thank you. You took us to some really, like, you asked some really great questions. You thank took you. us some to some deep, rich places, yeah. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, this was, m- um, I, I actually thought, you talked about your process of authoring. I, I actually thought that I was going to be in the process of a book this year. It just kind of was, was dropping in. There mm-hmm. was something there. It wasn't really clear, and so I didn't sit down and write occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this started knocking mm. and then it knocked louder and mm-hmm. knocked louder and knocked louder. And, and I had enough in-person sit downs where they would go for two to three hours. And my mind was like, why was that not recorded? Mm. And I was like, oh, it could be, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just do it with some intention yeah. and put and a headset on. Your, capa- your skill at rapport and your ability to ask questions is really amazing. So thank you. I think good choice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Also, you know, this is really a medium. This yeah. is the, the it seems like to some extent some people listen to more podcasts than they do books. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's the one that chose me mm-hmm. <laughs> right now in this moment. That's the process <laughs> that I trust. Yeah. That's the process that I trust for, for this sure. mission. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, and and um, there there's something about obviously I'm I'm diving into music and and really like letting uh-huh. that voice open and and express and there's something that is just magical about the way that like this now transcends space and time that mm-hmm. anywhere someone can listen to this at any time mm-hmm. and that that wisdom that you shared right. in, in this conversation is now in the ether. Mm-hmm. And not just for us in this moment right now, but it this medium gives people an ability to easily access it with the push of a button. Right. Mm-hmm. The same way that books did for Which I would say centuries. as consciousness becomes more conscious of itself, then through human action, it's creating, using technology to more closely approximate the nature of reality. Mm. Like 
whereby it used to be you know snail mail and like yeah. by horseback mm-hmm. now we're now you have kind of wireless technology and internet that can approximate more psychic capacities mm. you know and the ability to um back in graduate school in psychology i was really fascinated i took a class it, it was a really progressive school and i took some really cool classes one was the nature of consciousness and it was mm. looking at all kinds of research of the ability to impact um people at a distance mm-hmm. so they took people with that were either twins or or yeah. deeply bonded romantic partners and then they were in different cities and they were in these rooms with things that are called faraday cages so basically no electromagnetic fields no phones or radio frequencies or or like anything can um can pass through and then at a specific interval they had you like just thinking about the other person and then they were your the other person's hooked up to brain waves and skin conductance and heart variability and during that interval their stuff really shows that the intentionality of you it isn't so again that's an example of like that's our consciousness can do that um f- some people that maybe either have a deep connection or have quieted their mind enough in meditation but then technology is kind of approximating that so that's cool yeah and when technological capacity outpaces moral development, Mm -hmm. it presents unprecedented concerns. And I think we're really seeing that with AI and, um, you know, genetic enhancement. There's the need for us as a, like, I hope we have more conscious leaders in the future, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's a need for more conscious leaders to evaluate things and and technologies that are in in the highest good for all humanity for now on into the future and i hope that we we continue to use that lens um Mm. it's not incentivized right now for a conscious leader to be at that so what needs to change and it's such a mess in in the political realm that yeah um, It's, it's disincentivized in fact, like for, for like a, a heart forward conscious individual to be at like the way that, uh, yeah, it's, that's a whole, yeah, yeah there's a whole another, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. we're on the same page there. Yeah. On the same page there. Is it, but is I think, it, I think on the, you know, some people when they're, when they're thinking that largely, like it's easy for them to get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think it's important that like one of my practices last year was like, I think it, 2020 was an opportunity for to look more clearly at what's really going on. And, and um, my practice was that I, that I look only to the extent that I can stay in presence and stay in my alignment. Like if I get, like you said, if I get too far yeah. leaning forward, then I would like put it down. And that, I think it's important to be able to like build up the tolerance of our nervous system and our awareness to like take in life because if we get overwhelmed, then we shut down and dissociate, and then we're like we've stopped the process, right? And now I can't feel life anymore. And so I think that what we in our whether it's working with people, you know, helping them heal and you know release things, whether it's in the gym, like on the the eighth rep, and you're really like staying in that intensity, or whether it's like capacity to like look at humanity and, and and increase our span of awareness like i think all of those are tolerances that it's important to to cultivate and i don't think people look at it like that like there's this whole thing around people being an empath mm-hmm. and then the the <laughs> coaches like will market to this like are you an empath and it's like <laughs> and they're they're doing it in a way that reifies and and f- yep. like 
makes rigid the identity. Mm-hmm. And it's important to understand that empathy is actually a skill yeah. along the way to compassion, mm-hmm. along the way to awa- loving awareness. Well, yeah. And to, like when I get overwhelmed, like part of the process of opening into spacious awareness and expanding is that I start, my nervous system starts to become more porous and can feel life and the world around and the other emotions that other people go. Yeah. So when people say, oh no, I can't be around people, I'm an empath. Yeah. Like, <laughs> then they just stay in this. So yeah. they're like, compassionately, and I've been through this myself, like compassionately, I feel for you at how overwhelming and intense it can be. And I invite you to not stop there and not use your mind to create an identity around that. Rather, if you learn to use your breath and if you learn to really be embodied and ground and if you learn to stay in your own center so that you have developed some some boundaries, then it's like being on a subway, right? And you're standing up, but if your hands are not... Atta- mm, like you yeah, floating yeah, all yep. over the place, right? And so these people, like, they're just overwhelmed with stimulus. Yep. But when you, but if you grab on and you gra- root down and ground, right, then you have this alignment mm. and this base that allows you to be stable amidst mm. the upheaval of the world. And so I think when you find people that really have, like, in, in Tai Chi, there's a push hands, like there's a certain modality where you're like, your forearms against the for- guy's forearm and you're like, you're kind of like finding mm. hit where he loses his axis. Mm. And so you then, you know, when you fi- when he goes off the axis, then it's easy to kind of push him over. Yeah. And so it's a martial form, but it's really training that awareness to stay aligned. And so I think that if, if the, all of the coaches who work with empaths and instead of reinforcing the, yeah. the identity the instead if they taught them the skills to be how to be grounded how to be how to use their breath how to stay in their center and just relax into the center and breathe and allow life to be as it is and have some boundaries then they would actually be able to develop compassion which is the capacity to both equally feel with the person but at the same time I can accept them and I'm not trying to change their experience. So I have a little bit of more individuation and my heart stays open. And then I can equally act to help alleviate suffering if it's inspired and aligned, or I can just allow them. And a lot of people that have a sensitivity, they think it's the other person and they think, oh no, I'm just, <laughs> but actually some of it is their own discomfort with what's arising. And so there's, there's some skills to be built for, for somebody who is quote an empath. Mm. Uh, I love that point you just made. It's just like it's it's they think it's it's them, and it's like oh, there's all these people in this world, and it's not even acknowledging the part that's arising right. within themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I'm that. sure you you get this. Like I think in a healing context, like yeah. when I'm working with people, I sit across from them, yeah. um, and so like my practice is: can I accept everything that's arising? Yeah. So. Uh, while yes, we're engaged in a dynamic where we have certain develop, you know, objectives mm-hmm. and they're, they're seeking transformation in their life, but it can't come from me trying to change them or me being uncomfortable mm-hmm. with their sadness. Mm-hmm. Right. So I learned to like accept them, whether they're just like celebrating and, and like on fire in their life and so joyful yeah. or whether sadness is arising. And I first try to meet them with acceptance and I don't try to change it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I ask them about their experience. And then when we get in a presence rich field like that, it's the presence that's helping to kind of like 
help them feel and loosen and digest. And so then when they allow them, when they use that, the same acceptance that's coming at them to accept their own experience, it allows it to be digested and released. And then the clouds part and there's the joy again. (laughs) Yeah. The sun breaks through the rays of sunlight on your warmth. One of my, one of my favorite things is experiencing somebody open their heart. Cause I work a lot with the body. Yeah open their heart for the first time oh. in either their life or since they was a little kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, the eyes. The and eyes. The, oh, yeah. And they, there's a part the of them body. that register. That's what I've been looking for. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and they thought happiness was in this concept. Yeah. All they had to do was relax, open the heart and there's the joy, baby. Mm, there's joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've talked about that moment, like that, that real oh, moment man. with the eyes open oh, and man. there's like, myself for the first time uh-huh. feel my heart yeah it's like a, like that's a drug i'll take that <laughs> drug I'll, I'll take a hero's dose of that drug hero's dose, yeah. yeah oh man it's beautiful it's beautiful and and it's no matter what um it's it's really hard to forget that experience like that that embodied experience of like feeling your heart and 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 we do we forget like i know i did in my journey i witnessed other people like the mind comes back in and the would you so if we take it back to the stabilization thing yeah you Mm -hmm. caught a glimpse of an open heart right Mm -hmm. what i my experience is people you know just like probably when we were younger and we would talk about drunk experiences yeah people talk about expansive experiences experiences, peak experiences Mm -hmm. and in the beginning, they talk about it as they're like, when I had my awakening, mm. well, when your Kundalini activation started, mm-hmm. that's a specific moment. The awakening process is a process, not a discrete thing. That's a past memory. So I think people do remember those very vividly, in fact, yeah. but I think they do themselves a disservice, but back to that, like I'm done. done like yeah. they think, oh, that's like, it. Yeah, yeah. My central channel opened. Yeah. Two not two chakras. Yep. I feel, and now I'm feel done. the joy. I'm awoke. Got the joy. I'm awoke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm so, woke. so if they if they look like if they understand it more of as a I glimpse, then I get or put myself in situations or listen to watch videos or put myself in groups where I can fe- feel that again. Yeah. And then I get to where I can access that on my own if I just pause. And then now it's like now the heart's open all the time mm-hmm. unless there's an interaction with my partner, but right. that's changing that kind of baseline mm-hmm. from glimpse to stable. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We talked about, uh, actually talked about that with, with Matt a little bit and then moving from stable to integrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does he define the difference between stable and integrated? Uh, I asked that same question cause <laughs> I, I use them uh, interchangeably. I, I, I would do. too. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the, the, the stable, was more in the like stabilizing the idea of it like like a day later a week later like is that still there like um is it still here and then the integrated is is what does your life actually look differently as a result of this now stable like uh-huh. belief so um yeah. stable state or stable belief hmm I'm not sure what you referred to, but I, th- I think we're talking semantics. Yeah, I think so too. I think they're very similar. I, I but yeah. he brings up a good point to then what because 
at a certain point, parlor tricks are cool, mm-hmm. but like if it doesn't, like let's say that I cultivate the capacity for multi, like open my central channel and cultivate the capacity for multi-orgasmic non-ejaculatory sex, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm just in my own little wall, you know, little dungeon with no walls and windows, <laughs> yeah. like that's cool. Yeah. But how does it transform my life? Ah, mm-hmm. well, that's the jo- that's the same channel that sexual energy, that that creativity, and that the awakening process lives through. Mm-hmm. So opening that process is really profound. Mm-hmm. Then retention and not and like cultivating more chi instead of wasting it, and then the capacity to use my 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 um, sexuality as a sacred experience that allows us to kind of deepen in in love and connection and also uses it as a spiritual practice so that's an example of those things are integrated into my life and really really useful whereas otherwise if it's just like this thing like people don't understand like often make the connections of like the profound benefits Mm. to things yeah yeah absolutely and that's what they similar similar to when they hang on the peak experiences uh-huh. they're just like hanging on yeah yeah i know that's a thing like yeah it's I'm, <laughs> well I'm don't weird. you want that yeah, all the time yeah, yeah exactly yeah like, yeah and and yeah uh, go get it like go do it yeah <laughs> do, do the thing go take train go ca- yeah. take the cam for the soul go, go do mystics yeah <laughs> um how do you how do you define a mystic by the way like what, someone what who actually it? feels the direct presence of something greater than themselves. Mm-hmm. That would be one. Mm. And then someone whose life is inspired by grace and then dedicated to the healing, development, and awakening of humanity. Mm. Beautiful. So like St. Francis of Assisi. Yeah. Um, mm. There's many, many throughout history. Mm-hmm. Ramana Maharshi, yeah. Eckhart Tolle would be, yeah. Thomas Hubel, yeah. Byron Katie, those. And, and there's more and more. Yeah. Like, I think like we talked about a little bit ago, it's no longer a thing where um, there's this person on this in the cave mm-hmm. or this person on the pedestal and the spiritual teacher. Like yeah. many of the progressives, many of the people that we work are myst- mystics, mm-hmm. right? And it's like they're not wanting spirituality. They're they're not they're not letting spirituality be like a social media meme mm-hmm. or like that they have to go travel to a certain country or wear certain clothes or eat certain food that they understand by doing the embodied healing work that that opens them up to feel the aliveness and feel the presence. Mm -hmm. They understand that, you know, practices like meditation and Qigong and yoga and breath work and chanting and sacred sexuality and all of these things actually help them feel God. Mm -hmm. And so that's that many like now I think life is wanting mystics to be in the world. Mm, right as yeah. coaches and healers and change makers in organizations yeah right i have a ex-girlfriend that that coaches the executives of one of the top big tech companies in the world she's they hired she's a freaking wow. wizard they hired her as an internal right and she just coaches that whole executive team and like that's, that's the impact that she has had on these people's lives who are making the decisions that every single device has this company Whoa. stuff on it Whoa. and so like that's an example of a mystic in the world like mm. doesn't have to like doesn't have to wear certain clothes or like 
right? Mm-hmm. Like integrated, yeah. bro. Like yeah. smooth. You wouldn't just even too. you wouldn't even know, but she could just ask that just that question to get mm-hmm. into that person's world at their level of development to help mm-hmm. open them to the next level or invite ask that question and invite them to take another perspective they've never taken and and thereby help to evolve that that executive team and then again like humanity because of the impact. So that's like our world really needs that whole range of artists and and musicians who inspire us right how yeah. many times have you had a song that yeah. like spoke to you or cracked you open right mm. or art that trans you know was mm. was transcendent and, and, and invoked you into a, a deeper state of presence and coaches and therapists and healers and um we're at a time where like tremendous healing and evolution and growth is happening mm-hmm. and so again it's it's a real honor mm-hmm. for to be alive and to be, you know, actively participating in this. Yeah. I love that. Actively participating. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. I'm grateful for it. I really am. Um, sometimes I, uh, I have on occasion had the thought of like, it'd be so easy to go live in the jungle or like go to ashram and sure. do a thing. And like, that'd be exciting for my spiritual development. And sure. that's not my work. My work is in the world. Yeah. And I, I, I think about that. I'm like, there's a reason why I was born looking like this yeah. and speaking like this yeah. and in this family. And like, there's a reason why I'm a yeah. relatable person. Like I can like have this conversation in the world. And disseminate and inspire yeah. and educate and empower. And I, I think that's a really useful frame because it's easy yeah. to compare ourselves. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, if we do, that's useful to be inspired to find my unique expression of that, mm-hmm. as well as to, you know, appreciate that, that unique cultivation or yeah. like soul gifts. But at the end, I need to come back. What's mine to do? Mm-hmm. And people look for purpose like it's a thing you know Mm. there's a lot of i work with you know 20 to 60 but a a lot of the 20 in late 20s that i work with like they have a lot of confusion and anxiety because they've heard so much you're supposed to know your purpose right but i it to me it's a process strung together by a series of missions and those missions help us like one by one kind of take us to becoming the living embodiment of our purpose. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we can't articulate it in our twenties or thirties. And so what do, what are people to do when they're stopping and not taking action because they're trying until they can like know what that is cognitively and then put it on their t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But instead, if they focus more on finding their direction Mm -hmm. and that would be to say like, you know, in an organization you have quarterly goals. Mm -hmm. So like in the next, three to six to 12 months, my highest priorities in my life are the, are da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And for some people in their twenties, it may be healing. Yeah. Right. Because they're actually kind of clearing that again. So we talked about at the beginning so that more energy and aliveness and future potentials can be embodied. Mm-hmm. So they, they don't have the capacity to really embody and carry and transmit their purpose yet. And so just like in the, you know, shamanic traditions, the hero's journey, like there's a calling that beckons them out of the conventional and then they go through these rites of passage and these transformations and these trainings. And I hope that people are more patient Mm. and understand 
the the sacredness of that and the necessity of that to keep doing your healing, keep clearing the past, keep being able to sense and open your body so that you can be like, we're really instruments of service, mm-hmm. right? And the more yeah. integrated, aware, relaxed, alive and sensing our nervous system can be, the more that we can be an instrument of service, whether we're a change maker in an organization or a healer or a coach. And so if people would in their 20s, like, focus more on like what's mine to do what are my highest priorities in this next six to 12 months i go okay i've got this job that i'm not really passionate about but it's affording me a good income okay like now i'm stable in my life let me now take that and like do my healing and and use that time to kind of read books and learn and take trainings and then that person is on that track and then you know, in January, they reevaluate and then that their soul is giving them the coordinates for what's the next mission. Mm-hmm. So I found that that's a that's really gives people relief. Mm-hmm. And then it's like much simpler for people to like focus on these four things. Yeah. And then that feels like they're living on purpose mm-hmm. rather than looking for this nebulous thing and the f- that, that they're not going to maybe discover until sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. That is part of and revealed as they've developed. Yeah. So it's like the first thing you said when you sat on the couch. It's like, was that? Uh, if you knew the end of the movie, like right? You wouldn't, yeah, right. It's and and I think it would also it would uh, it would like bastardize the process. Like we we would sure. like go about it our way. Like we this is the way it's got to be. Sure. This thing and this thing. Yeah, yeah. Less well, exciting. <laughs> you gotta have the dramatic twists and turns and. That's character the, development the quest man yeah. that's the, the yeah. epic quest of our lives exactly yeah and as vr gets more and more integrated i think yeah. you're gonna have more people kind of checking out like we may yeah. be at uh, a time in history where there's a bifurcation of the species yeah. where some people are using their time and energy like as ai robotics and automation more and more transform the workplace uh and change you know transform service jobs and um, universal basic income, like it's very possible that in five to 10 years, the workforce looks quite different. Mm-hmm. One example of that is um, autonomous vehicles and Uber, yeah. right? And AI is just getting integrated into everything. So mm-hmm. uh, as that happens more and more, certain jobs are going to go away. And in fact, the U.S. Department of Labor who tracks employment statistics, you know, h- mm-hmm. hundreds of years back and then all, and makes also estimates for the future. I saw a study where they're predicting that um, the kids who are now elementary school, in, so you think like 15 years in yeah. the future, that 56% of their jobs don't yet exist. And if you just really wrap, wrap your, your head around that, yeah. what that means is there's going to be half new jobs. Yeah, right? that we don't even know. That we don't yeah. even know. Like, for example, YouTubers, like yeah. when we were kids, yeah. Yeah, there was, wasn't a pro wasn't YouTuber. A yeah. And so yeah. um, as a parent... Like raising a young child, I think it's ever more important to really like read them and listen and not, you know, not force them to be a doctor or lawyer, but like discover what their soul is wanting to Mm. kind of live through them and help guide them in that process. Because they're what they may if, you know, if your kids eight, like what his job and life's work may not even (sighs) be existing yet. Wow. You know, I get the chills on that. I know. And it feels like it's even it's speeding up exponentially, (laughs) too. So it's like, and why I, yeah, it is speaking of actually, but why I brought that all up is because it seems like, or 
that presents the opportunity that it's not so it's it's no longer like oh i'm gonna get a good job out of college and then i'm gonna be a company man for 50 Mm -hmm. years and retire and i may not like it but you know what i'm supporting my right like there's there are many people that like it's like they get there's a dead end and they they gotta like life forces them to get out of that thing and then they're on then they accept the quest and they're on this emergent journey to discover what their purpose is and that can be a really like it's useful for people to have that that context because when they're going through that transition it could actually be one of the best things for them but it, it can seem really disorienting mm-hmm. and threatening to the ego yeah. so i think the more that we understand as a collective that purpose is a process to be lived with different stages rather than this thing to like mm-hmm. mentally find then i think it can help our the, the people that are in teens and 20s and 30s who are in this um, discovery phase, yeah. like really um, relax into the process more, mm-hmm. you know, because I believe that our world really needs each being's unique purpose. You know, I believe that there's a, that each carries a piece to the mm-hmm. puzzle. And there may be some people that are sort of like, they're wanting to check out from life and just kind of escape to VR. But then there's going to be more and more people that say, uh, like accept the quest and they're into healing and self-actualization and spiritual practice and wanting to integrate that into the world and life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that inspires me and gives me hope like yeah. for a brighter future, you know? Yeah. yeah. Same. I, I mean, that's one of the things I, I contemplate a lot is like future of humanity mm-hmm. and like, like a divergent society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, One last story and then we we wrap. So uh, I was maybe a month or so ago, I was visiting my nephew and I'm really close with him. He's like nine. And um, people in the family say that he looks like I did at that age and his name's Beckett. And so we were, we were hanging out and I hadn't seen him in about a year. And we were just playing in the pool and doing tricks and flips and playing with sports and stuff. And then, you know, that the golden hour at dusk, yeah. you know, sometimes there's yeah. a special presence to that. So we were just kind of like chilling in the, in the pool, but it was like slow and still. And he looked over and he said, Uncle Johnny, I missed you. You just feel his heart, just, just mm. like a heart blast. I felt you know? it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, it's so good to see you. I love you so much. Mm. <laughs> You know, just so much heart from this little kid. And he's, you know, I love you too. And I give him a big hug. And and then he says, what's one, you haven't seen me in about it. We haven't seen each other in almost a year. It's been a long time. What's one quality that, that you notice has grown in me since then? He's nine years old. Nine year old. Right. Like. I, that gives that moment, yeah. like I, I felt humanity in the future mm. in that moment. Yeah. And it's like that, like, and we need hope. Like we need inspiration and positive stories right now. Cause there's so much confusion and so much distortion and we need to remember why we're here and remember like the virtue, the cultivation of virtues and remember the, like our, our deep dedication to help participate in the evolution of and healing and awakening of humanity and little beings like that like we're wearing the grooves so that they can then accelerate up and they don't have to go through as much drag and so that like i just wanted to say that 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 approach to life of like asking what's mine to do and asking like 
What, what quality is life beckoning from me? What quality is my partner asking me to grow into and not, and, and relaxing as much as possible that resistance and understanding that our partner is an emissary from the divine and life at don't shoot the messenger. In other words, yeah. like it's really life itself that's wanting us to heal and evolve and open. And as a, we're all interconnected, it's a tremendous positive ripple that I do my healing and I open myself so that more love can live and joy can live through me. That is a tremendous contribution. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to be a Tony Robbins up on stage. Yeah. Me doing my healing work clearing the lineage trauma that was done and being a better parent that is a huge huge contribution to humanity so what no matter the phase we're in we can always kind of do that work and it'll be a positive contribution that's beautiful it's beautiful it's like it's like compounding interest (laughs) it really is for everybody right everybody yeah for like we all get to benefit truth yeah yeah because not only you, but everyone before and after you show up differently as a result That's of right. you doing that. Yeah. That's right. Thank you so much for all of the yeah. evocative questions. Like, I really respect the work that you and Anad are doing. Thank you. I respect the work that you've done to be able to be the instrument to be able to do that. And I appreciate what you're doing now here to, you know, empower and educate and inspire people. Our, our world can really use it. Thank you, Johnny. I receive that. And where can uh, folks find you? johnnyblackburn.net awesome um, as well as the YouTube and Instagram beautiful you've got some beautiful videos out there thanks man yeah <laughs> um, and I'm I've been asking uh, one one last question of every guest and my intention that became very clear in hosting this show was to be the most vulnerable podcast on the internet so really like mm. having really authentic honest conversations and so I'm, I've been asking uh, what vulnerability means to you. What it feels like. This is soft and open and alive. And I'm letting you see me, letting you feel me, and letting the parts, the the whole range of parts to be heard. And so that's what it feels like inside of me. I think some people think that it's there's the association for some that it's weakness because I think we use that semantically we use that vocabulary is like oh that's a vulnerable animal right but uh, so some people that I that I'm working with that I sense that they kind of have that that belief system then I'll call it transparency Mm. you know and it's Mm -hmm. like you can see through a window Mm -hmm. it's like right now are you wanting to hide and obscure and defend your or shield yourself or are you allow? Is it okay right now to put your shield by your side? You can pick it up at any time, mm-hmm. but you put it down and you let people in. You let people see you, feel you. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would. That's what it feels like, and how I would define it. Beautiful. Thank you, Johnny. How about you? Vulnerability. Yeah. <sighs> you know, you're not the only guest that's asked me this question back, and I've had a different answer every time. And what it feels like is how I would describe it is I also use a lot of motions when I describe it and I, it's an, it's an open mm-hmm. relaxed body. Um, and it is a 
transparency of every cell in my body, every every bit of my beingness, uh, allowing you and everything in this universe to see it. Mm -hmm. Spiritually naked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you, Johnny. And uh, thanks for being on today. Thanks for coming by. And um, folks, this this was a this was a hell of a conversation. And um, this, in my experience of Johnny's, just scratching the surface. So please check him out. YouTube, the the interwebs, JohnnyBlackburn.net, um, and we'll put all that in the show notes. Thank you all for joining. If this conversation resonated, please. Do the podcast thing, you know, leave us a review, show us the love, share it with someone. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, like we said, it's, it's just, this can ripple out through space and time. And whenever this finds you, these words find you, um, are my hope. And I imagine our hope is that they're impactful in some way in your life. So thank you for listening and giving us your time and energy. Um, and thank you for making this podcasting dream a reality for me.